In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Christian Zerone about using YouTube for content marketing. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 86. Today's episode is sponsored by Drip. Drip is the world's first e-commerce CRM and a tool that I personally use for email marketing and automation. Now, if you're ever in an e-commerce store, you need to give Drip a try, and here's why. Drip offers one-click integrations for both Shopify and Magento. There's robust segmentation, personalization, and revenue dashboards to give you an overview of how your automation emails are performing. One of my favorite features of Drip is the Visual Workflow Builder. It gives you a super easy way to build out your automation world visually and see the entire process. It lets you get started quickly, but also build very complex automation roles. It's powerful, but also easy to learn, unlike a lot of email tools that offer the same type of automation. To get a demo of Drip today, you can go head over to drip.com slash BOE. That's drip.com slash BOE. Now onto the show. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Pileski, and I'm here today with Christian Zerone. Christian is the founder of Theo and Harris. His YouTube channel has over 68,000 subscribers, which he's used to grow Theo and Harris, his vintage watch retail business. I asked Christian on the show today to talk a bit about how he used YouTube to grow his retail business and how you can do the same. So, hey, Christian, how are you doing today? Thanks so much for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great. I love this topic, and um, I love the business, too, on vintage watches. Very, uh, very cool. So... I was checking out the YouTube channel, so it looks like yes, yeah, sixty-eight, almost sixty-nine thousand subscribers. So that's uh... yeah, it's a weird, weird road, you know, to that number. Um, it's it's not the biggest number uh, in in the world, but we're in a fairly niche space, um, and and in each, you know, because we're retail, each subscriber, you know, if you want to break it down in numbers. Um, really is quite valuable. So as opposed to having 300,000 subscribers that don't really, you know, ultimately able to monetize, we have a smaller base um, that's very engaged and, and they do spend money. So it's very exciting. Yeah, I'm guessing your average card value is much higher than the average, you know, t-shirt retailer at this point, right? Oh, yeah. I and mean, we do, you know, the average card is probably $2,800 yep. uh, and then probably rising. We're, we're kind of going upscale a little bit more and expanding our inventory. So, you know, you're getting a lot of $10,000 sales and things like that. Yep. So, and all for everyone not watching the video, here's a, a Rolex sign in back of them, and I can, yeah. So I can. And a Rolex on the wrist. <laughs> uh, and you're wearing the Rolex. So I guess actually yeah. to start off, Theo and Harris, um, vintage watches. What kind of people who aren't into that? What um, you know, why do people buy vintage watches? People who aren't into that hobby. Yeah, it's a good question. It's the, it's the same kind of itch that that you find in any kind of collecting, you know, uh, community. Um, a, a passion for history, a passion for um, education. There's so much to learn. There's so much to, to to know. Even when you've been studying for decades, you still know that you don't know. So it's just it's just fun that can manifest itself in 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 so many other things. I know people that collect car keys, car car fob keys. I know people that that collect all you know different kinds of light bulbs. It's so it's so bizarre. Um, watches are. A little bit more mainstream than those things, um, but still, in the grand scheme of you know luxury items, a little obscure. Uh, but it's it's a it's a very engaged community. Yeah, it seems like to there's certain people who have a, a luxury watch for like I don't know, I don't know how you say it, to show off your luxury watch, and other people more for like sure. collectors. Um, do you kind of see that? Yeah, and that collector community is growing. But you're absolutely right. The the you know mass market is more interested in what does this watch you know uh, uh, tell the people around me usually about my worth. Um, I I wear you know quite often a yellow gold you know Rolex. It's 
the Glen Gary, Glen Ross watch. You know, it's the it's the my watch costs more than your car watch. Um, and, and there definitely are people that wear this watch with that attitude, and that's not my style, but salute, right? Um, but there is so much more to that. You know, there you know, MLK wore the same watch. There's nothing in common between MLK and Glen Gary, Glen Ross, right? <laughs> but there's this idea of uh, you know, Rolex, even though they're not the best watch in the world, Rolex is one of the most important companies to our global culture, specifically around luxury, it says so much um, about, you know, uh, uh, kind of capitalism says so much about, you know, the, 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 the journey to the American dream success. It's a cool thing. And, and even though, you know, uh, you can be a far cry from a captain of industry, it still kind of feels cool to be connected to that, you know, world. And that's a much more humble way of looking at it than, you know, you look at my watch, you know, it's, it's, there are different approaches. Yeah, and that's one of those things I think people that aren't in it, it's you have these references like, you know, MLK wore this on this day, right? And he was given the speech and this is a watch or I was looking this other thing, you know, Prince Harry was wearing this Omega on this random and like then you kind of have that weird connection with like, oh, this is the exact like model they wore on that day. Uh and you wonder what, why, you know, and that's when it kind of gets interesting, you know, why did, you know, MLK wear a day date? Why did LBJ wear a day date? And it, and it gives you a little bit of insight into who they were as a person. What kinds of leaders would never dare touch a day date? You know, my, my grandfather is a, is a, is a very middle class, you know, a blue collar Italian American, and, and he would never wear a day date. To him, that's a that's an ostentatious thing to do. And you gotta be, as he would say, a spacon. Uh, <laughs> he would wear just a little gold a little gold watch on a on a little leather strap, you know? Uh, so that's interesting. It tells you so much about the wearer. Uh, and if you're into digging in, you know, into things like that and learning about people, their choice of watch definitely is relevant. Yeah, very cool. So did you start the retail business first? The so is it there's no um, brick and mortar. It's all e-commerce. But did you start that no, first? No, no brick and mortar. Did you I started, start the, started the retail business while I was in college. Um, that was that was February of 2015. So we like incorporated on like December 31st, February 13th. We we launched, um, and it's been I suppose four and a little four and a half ish years since. So uh, that, that that's the way it started with with, with retail of, of very inexpensive watches at the time. And then how did you actually start? Like when did the YouTube channel um become a thing right? yeah so the youtube the youtube channel only you know became a thing because i'm a big i'm a big fan of that guy gary vaynerchuk and if you've heard of him he's a youtube you know entrepreneur or whatever and uh i grew up and i grew up in the town or town next to where, where he grew up uh, and i kind of grew up in his you know like entrepreneurship shadow so you know one day I, I got to meet him and the great piece of advice that he gave me was to find the white space right find what other people aren't doing in your space you know what's you know, where can you fit in, where can you capitalize? Others aren't playing and do that. It took a little while. I didn't immediately say YouTube, um, but I, I knew that you know, other people around me, my dad being one, said, you know, maybe you're not the best on camera, meaning me, but you can start to practice and no one else in your business is doing it. No one else in your industry. So take a shot. You know, maybe you'll get better at it. In fact, you almost surely will. So I just took a shot. That was about six or eight months into the business. Uh, so YouTube was, a, you know, was kind of an afterthought. Yeah. It's one of those things too, where if, um, you know, if you wait to the point to get started with it until you're actually good, you probably waited too long and left money on the table, right? Like you, oh, 100%. you probably should be bad day one because it means yeah. you just started like you started when you should. You did it. Yeah, you did it. Yep. Um, and 100%. everyone that does it, like you look back at the first episode of this and 
it was the editing wasn't good the lighting was like a lot of things weren't good but you you know it's it's all reps and sets right you get better at it over time 100 percent. yeah so then how did you start actually growing that audience and how do you use that audience to actually um promote the business because you got to be a little careful there too you don't want to just yeah yeah and, and I've definitely done it the wrong way. And we, we have got 850 videos, you know, so I've made, we made a thousand mistakes. There's a large percentage of our early videos that you say, wow, you didn't really finesse that very well or wow, the sales pitch wasn't subtle. Um, but ultimately, over the course of the last four years on YouTube, um, you know, we had the, the entire impression, if you look at it holistically, is, wow, Christian and the Theo and Harris team, there's Anna, my dad's even on the channel sometimes, um, and a bunch of other people, they genuinely are passionate about watches. They are family oriented. They're a small business. Um, they're, they're quite informed and they want to bring us one community, meaning all the people that are watching can now engage and two free content. So ultimately what you're ending up with is a really, really positive, you know, uh, uh, impression on the internet. That being said, have we missed opportunities? Of course. I mean, I, I just called like a big, you know, meeting, uh, just two days ago with my team and said, hey guys, you know, we've been focusing on, 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 on advertising in the last two months, three months. It's great. We've built a really good advertising business. It's gonna be tremendous, but we've let retail fall to the wayside and this can't happen. So we've got to refocus. So there's absolutely been missed opportunities, but it's a net net game. You have to just, you know, form out, you know, work, fix, you know, and, and keep going. Because when you say an advertisement, you're talking advertising on the YouTube channel, right? Advertising all over, but predominantly on YouTube. Um, I think that YouTube is just such a, a heavily engaged, you know, space. Jeez, I mean, we the the impact on YouTube for for me is so much more than the impact on on Instagram. So that's that's the space we focus on. Okay, so you've tried other channels, and just YouTube kind of turns out. Yeah. You know, Instagram. You know, Instagram is is a, is a great medium. We've got great success on it. We have like. 64,000 followers. Um, we've sold probably millions of dollars of watches through Instagram. That being said, it's it's hard in my space to differentiate on Instagram. Everyone in my space basically does the same thing because you're limited. You know, you're 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 posting photos. Hopefully, you're posting good photos. Photos that are well making a couple stories and moving on. Um, but on YouTube, we're able to really add that character. We're able to really develop content, dedicate tens of thousands of dollars and, and, and thousands of hours, you know, to, you know, producing content. Uh, and I guess that's where we've been really able to differentiate. Yeah. YouTube's a different mode too, right? I feel like when you sit down, you sit down on YouTube and you know, I'm going to watch a video, you know, ahead of time. Okay. It's eight minutes long. It's 20 minutes long, whatever it is. You kind of prepare for that, right? Versus YouTube, it's a different mode of maybe you're on the, the bus or whatever it is. And you kind of scroll and you're like, oh, cool video. And you look, you don't even have the sound on. You're like, hmm. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Scroll down. You're hundred percent right. You know, I've, I've never, I've, I can't tell you how many people that I've heard through email, in person meeting fans, things like that. And, and, and all these different mediums that say like, when I come home from work, like I have dinner and I like go to the couch, I put on Theo and Harris and I relax. And I'm like, that is a really great testament. Whereas with Instagram, most you could possibly do is look at our Instagram page for what, maybe 90 seconds. You've seen everything already. How much, you know, how much more are you going to see? How, you know, how long does it take to consume a photo? Five seconds, 10 seconds. So even if I have five photos for you to consume, that's 50 seconds. You know, whereas with YouTube, I easily have you for, you know, three, 10 minutes a day on average. And that's maybe even low. And I feel like with your business too, um, there's an element of like trust, right? Where 
you're selling something first it's used and there's i'm guessing tons of fakes out there and that sort of thing so you want to know kind of like who you're buying it from and having that like voice and that face kind of means okay i you start to build up a relationship with that person you're like all right i can trust this person um you almost feel like you know them at that point 100 percent, and that was one of the big drivers behind uh bringing my dad on the channel he, he's, a, he's a big wine guy so now he comes on one to two three times a month and talks about um we talk about watches over a cool bottle of wine and one of the you know one of the great functions of that was you know i get to introduce my fans the audience to my father right i get to show a really positive relationship that humanizes the company that makes the company feel like a family business which is exactly what it is but instead of hoping you know that we, we basically tell you and it feels comfortable you know you you would never look at a liquor run and feel like nah, i don't trust these two shifty guys no you're like wow they're they're telling you they're telling you about their family they're telling you about their opinions they're they're laughing they're kind of embarrassing themselves you know uh, it's 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 very it makes it very clear that uh, that we're just not going to do anyone wrong. Well, and it kind of like you said, it humanizes you, but makes you. People try to do this thing right where they want to start a business and they want to look like bigger than they really are, and that's like that goal. And we were talking before the show, and I was like, "Oh, so what's your title?" And you you know, because I looked on LinkedIn, um, I was getting ready, and it was director. Um, and I kind of like how you you were kind of positioning yourself as you know a small business and you kind of, you didn't want to say yeah. of the CEO, that sort of thing. Um, I see a lot yeah. of people do that. And like, unless you're running like general electric, like, you know, yeah. slow down there. Um, That's exactly how I feel. Yeah. Uh, the CEO is a really big title. I think you really need to earn it. I have legally been the CEO of my company from day one. That doesn't mean anything to me. I direct the company. I yeah. do my best to direct the company. And, and that's it. Uh, a good friend of mine who, who, is a, who is a legitimate CEO, um, an inc incredibly capable person who actually also calls himself a director, which is kind of funny, but he's a real CEO. Um, he, uh, <laughs> he told me a story one time. He was on a Facebook group and like a new, like a new you know, Facebook group um, dedicated to watches. And, and the day that they launched, they all had titles. Who's the CMO? Who's the CEO? Who's the, you know, CFO? Basically, you know, who checks the PayPal? That's the CFO. You know, yeah. it was all these, so he, he was trolling them one night after a couple of glasses of wine. And he, he said, Hey guys, I, I, you know, I, I'm really interested in hearing your perspective from the C-suite, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, who is this guy? And what does he want? You know, he's like, come on, this sounds silly. You're not a CMO. You know what a CMO is? It's a very serious position. This is a Facebook group. Yeah. And like people want to, they want to always do this thing where they want to look bigger. And there's a benefit to not doing that, right? Of what you're doing of saying, we are a small business. Like you're buying from, you know, me, my dad, and you know, here are the other folks here. Um, and it's one of those things of, okay, you know, if you want to be buying a $10,000 plus watch, I'm guessing, you know, they get up there pretty quickly. Um, and you kind of want to know, like, these are the people that are looking at it. Um, and it's like literally knowing like, oh, it's Christian and he's going to look at this watch, tell me that it's um, legitimate and that's the one I'm buying. And it's like his hands. And God forbid something goes wrong. I mean, we're talking about watches here. Things yep. do go wrong. You know, yep. They just do. God forbid something does. And that's just a thing you have to understand. You've got your back. Like there's no shift. There's no shifty stuff. Like it's okay. Like we got it. We'll fix it. Done. No problem. You know, when you're dealing in watches on, you know, or, or automobiles and things like that, um, unlike a piece of jewelry, like a regular, you know, ring, a regular gold ring, nothing's going to go wrong, right? It is what it is. It's not going to break. It's, it's just a ring. Right. Yeah. But when you're talking about complex mechanical objects, you know, you, you just are in a space that, that, that does need service, you know, and it's very important 
that you know to uh, to to have a relationship with someone that you know that you can trust because things are eventually going to go wrong to one level or another. That can be a very small non-issue in five years from now, or that can be a catastrophic issue if you decide to you know take your uh, take your new you know uh, Rolex dress watch uh, diving. You know it's it could be many it could be a host of things, but you want good people around you. Yep. Yeah. So then how? So let's say, you know, after you've built up this channel, um, starts to get some momentum, how do you actually leverage that in the business? Like, cause you want to produce content and you don't want to be selling too much, but you want to be selling. So like, what's that mix and how do you balance that, um, tight line? Yeah, it, it, we've definitely, you know, uh, uh, traveled the spectrum on that over the course of the last couple of years. We've definitely, you know, the content at one point was absolutely in a space where it was much heavier sales oriented. It was, this is in the shop. This is what we sell. Go buy it. Views were objectively lower, so we couldn't possibly sell an ad partnership. Right. Uh, but it was driving sales. So we said, okay, let's, let's be a more well-balanced company. Let's be a more mature company. Let's talk about larger topics. Let's not shove our products down people's throats, right? Let's just mention it. Um, and let's get them interested. So our viewership and our, you know, following base and everything just expanded exponentially. So we went from, you know, 11,000 subscribers to 30 and 30 to 48 and 40, you know, all the way up the scale. Um, and of course, with that, you, while you're reaching more people, your sales pitch is a lot easier. It's a lot more restrained and conservative. So you are going to sacrifice conversion rates. Um, but it's a bigger picture thing. Uh, so we grew, that's how, that's how we kind of grew that media, you know, opportunity but retail definitely took a hit, but now we're basically right back on track. Okay. So that's a, that's an important note, right? Where you have to, you have to be okay and prepared for that, for the conversion rate to drop essentially. Cause if you're just coming in aggressive with a sales pitch, you will have a better conversion rate. Like it just, that's how it works. But if you come in less aggressive, you'll have a worse conversion rate, but you can raise the top of the funnel. Um, just like the raw number of viewers, more people watch, they'll watch 100%. longer, right? hundred percent. And I really wanted to, you know, I, I never was really interested in, in being a, a, a watch dealer, right? I never, I just never just wanted to, you know, in, in my business, in our, in our market, most companies, probably all but one, um, they just sell watches. That's it. And if you don't have any good inventory, you can't sell watches and you move on. There's really nothing more than, you know, you flip watches for a living. I always wanted to, you know, own uh, in, in the words of Gary Vaynerchuk, own attention. You know, it's, it's much more, uh, it's, it's a much greater asset, right? Because when the watches are all gone, you still have attention and you can still, you know, create content and you can still monetize in one way or another. I wanted to build a more mature company, a company that could withstand, um, you know, different states of the market. What if there's what if there's a, a you know, a, a, a market correction in the next two years? You know, is it going to be a problem for me? A lot less than a lot of other people. A lot of people in my space are going to have a really big issue, right? A really big issue. But with our business, because we're well balanced, because we have a media, you know, business, we you know we we we'll be we'll be just fine basically. Um, I wanted to build something that we could actually sell as a company one day, not just oh yeah, Christian sells watches, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, you kind of control your destiny a little more at that point, right? Where it's not just going out and you know you have this like one funnel of you buy ads through you have people that buy ads through Facebook all the time, and then ad prices go up, and the business like just can't make money anymore profitably. So it's almost it's like right. done at that point. But you have, Which is crazy. Yeah. That makes you doesn't that give anxiety? I've I've heard of people that have, they're spending tens of thousands even a month or even a week. And you know, that is like their channel. And you realize like if that goes away, if anything happens, like it's it's all it's over. over. Yeah.
Yeah, I knew. Uh, I didn't know her too well, but there was a there was a girl at my alma mater. I had graduated, but she was still a senior, and she was selling like knockoff AirPods and making a ton of money. Dropship, right from Alibaba. I think she was like a college senior, and I think that she was putting in twenty or thirty grand a month in her pocket. It's a lot of money for a grown adult, nonetheless for a you know for a. I don't know, 21 year old kid. Um, and, and, and one of the, one of the professors reached out to me and said, Hey, like, this is really, really cool. You should talk to her, but like, please give some advice because I don't think she gets it. This isn't a real business. Like this can go away in two seconds. If, you know, if you're, if your Facebook, you know, corrects their underpriced ads, it's all over. You have no brand equity. No one actually knows who they bought it from. It was just a Facebook ad. That's a problem. You know, that's, that, that's a problem. So, uh, again, if I feel bad, you know, you're making 30 grand a month as a 21 year old. No, I don't feel, I don't feel bad, but you should recognize that, you know, you're, you know, pardon my French, but your, your shit does stink, you know, and, and you got to correct that. Yeah. It's one of those things you're, instead of building a business, you're exploiting like a, a, a momentary hole in the market, right? 100%. 100%. And it's, it's there and you either, you should exploit it or someone else will, but just, you have to understand the difference that they're you're exploiting a hole. It will close at some point, like the market will correct. Um, and you don't know if it'll be open for weeks or months, but like you said, if you're doing 30 grand, go for it, you know, do it. Right. Just um, don't buy a Porsche though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, don't, because... don't buy a house based on, you know, I can pay for right. this mortgage every month. Cause and it happens all the time. I yeah. can't tell you how many people, even some of my clients that, that, that make these financial decisions, they're doing really well at the moment. And you're just like, oh, geez, this is a problem. And that's another really interesting, I won't get too far into it, but a lot of the watch market is very over leveraged. A lot of the people that are buying, you know, $50,000, $60,000 watches probably by most people's definition couldn't afford them. And it's going to make for a very interesting, you know, uh, market once there is a correction, you know, because you're going to see a lot of pieces, pieces being very undersold. And people like me who, whether with their own money or outside capital, you know, acquire these pieces. It's very interesting. There, there are a thousand ways, you know, that we kind of, you know, a thousand opportunities that we're open to, you know, and, uh, and some of them are retail, many of them are retail, but, um, we're just very open. Yeah. And that's a whole nother conversation on kind of, um, I've, you know, I've heard about currently the, the Rolex market, you can't walk into a dealer and buy one, right. You have to, um, get on a list and it's like six months and like, you have to have a so prior it be two, three years. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it seems like there's some, if the market turned, turned right now, there could be some issues there because there are folks buying them at retail and flipping them for more money, which seems like, and not just more money, like five grand profit in three hours. Yeah. So like, that's crazy. That's an obscene amount of money. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of people doing this right now that could get in trouble if that corrects, but yeah, <laughs> different topic there, I guess. Um, so what are the kind of surprises you found actually? I feel like you've kind of, um, you know, I like how you've kind of grown it organically and it's one of those ways where you don't plan it. So you kind of just like move, keep moving forward and you kind of find these roadblocks and then realize like, Oh, didn't see that coming and I have to move to the next one. What, um, what kind of other surprises have you found? One of the hard, you know, monetizing our YouTube channel was, or our brand as a whole beyond retail into, into media is very difficult because, you know, you're, you're always tempted by, so, so one of, one of the big things we wanted to do is we didn't want to just have a sponsor. We didn't just want to, you know, say, and thank you to, you know, um, Cuddy Sark for sponsoring today's video, because I said, you know, that has a value, but if we can integrate an idea, a piece of content or a sponsor into the content 
content, we could in theory charge another 10, 20, 30% for that same ad, for that same amount of space. So, so like that was product, kind of something that I, like a product placement almost, right? Exactly right. Product placement. Um, and I was really, really interested in that. I, and I thought that it, it, it put us in a, in a different level. Um, it would increase our potential revenue exponentially. But the problem is, you know, if you, if that's the only kind of ad you're trying to sell, which was the only ad we were trying to sell, um, and if you're trying to sell it to five, 10, 20, 30, 60 different clients, building a, building a book of clients, your content becomes very confused, often disingenuous. And even if you're not, you know, one of the things that we ran into was at no point, uh, you know, in regarding one of our sponsors, did we endorse something I wouldn't have endorsed otherwise. At no point, at no point did we lie. But I wouldn't have been necessarily talking about these things if we weren't being paid to talk about them. It's just not a topic that I would have brought up. So your audience sniffs that out immediately. So, you know, in, in you know, growing this ad business, we made a thousand wrong turns. You know, and, and none of them at any point hurt an audience member. At no point was this detrimental to anyone else but us on a certain level. Um, but the way that, you know, we planned it out, we thought that we struck gold. And in a way, there is gold there, but um, but it, it was a lot different than we thought it was going to be. We ended up with with a couple of great partnerships that are just incredible. Um, but uh, but geez, the the golden egg that I had thought was we were going to find um, just was not there, and that led to some pretty weird nights. Yeah, it's one of those things that um, you can only do so many of them, right? Because uh, you know you watch an American Idol, and are they really all drinking Coca Cola right now, or is that Coke just sitting like like there's always a Coke in front of them, and you're like, are they drinking that? Because it's they all three of them are drinking the same drink, um, right? Right. And you can only do that so much before you basically like NASCAR, right? Where it's just like exactly right. Yeah, be, exactly. It's a good. It's it's a really good. Uh, it's it's a really good comparison. It's NASCAR. I mean, one of the great I think ads that I that I've seen. Uh, you ever watch a show Ray Donovan? Yeah. Oh yeah. So Ray Donovan, everyone important in Ray Donovan drives a Mercedes. Every, <laughs> if, if you're important, you drive a Benz, whether it's a CLS or a GL, whatever whatever it is, you drive a Benz. And I said like, wow, they've never once even referenced Mercedes Benz, not even once, right? But because they're showing showing it off, that's a really good you know means of advertisement. Then other shows have done it poorly. Um, I, I, I watched Billions recently, and uh, have you seen that show? Oh yeah. So at one point, uh, one of the characters was talking about a dating app. I forget the, the dating app was called like like Rye or something like that, and and it was totally unnatural. It made virtually no sense. But you know that Raya cut them a check for God knows how much money, and you feel like okay, as as a viewer, you're like, did I need that? That was that led nowhere. You know, <laughs> I don't feel. I don't feel positive about this. The Ray Donovan thing, I leave like, oh, Mercedes is cool. That's a, I like that car. I really want that. It's awesome. But then you leave the Raya ad, and you're like, that was stupid. What am I? What am I, an idiot? And and when I go to evaluate that show to my friends, even if I don't bring that up, it's gonna have an effect on my opinion. So this idea of forming the right kinds of ads has been very very difficult, um, and we're certainly very young at it. You know, we're we're pretty brand new to it. Um, but uh, but we started doing it at a point. Uh, that became pretty successful in retail. So we thought just for a second, like, oh, we're good at what we do. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll be fine at this. We're going to kill it. And then you come to a realization pretty quickly, wait, you got to practice this just like you had to practice everything else. How do you, so how do you figure that out actually? Because even as a, I mean, as a content producer, one, but then even as a advertiser, like how would you set that up correctly? Because you want your, you like, you, you want someone, you know, with a large following or whatever a podcast to kind of mention, Hey, I use this. And, but like you said, you need it to be natural. Um, and not like, yep. you, like, you know, when it's a commercial, you know, when people are mentioning it because, so how do you, what are some ways to do that? 
it's very hard. I think that the, the you know the, the way that we it ended up coming with us was really was, was an accident in many ways. I, I you know I I'm not like a big big thinker. I I never I never think about like the the moonshots. It's just not where my brain goes. Um, and that's what ended up happening. We ended up brokering, you know, an, an advertisement, advertising deal with a with a large authorized dealer of many, many brands, uh, the most important watch brands basically in the world. Um, and, and, and it was a su- super simple deal. You know, they have access to the most important watches that are out there. You know, they basically have access to all news source. So now we can develop content, not about them, but about all of the watches that everyone wants to hear about anyway. So everyone, everyone is thrilled that we they get to hear about the watches they want to hear about. Uh, and of course, the the authorized dealer gets the credit for setting all this up. And of course, if you're interested in this Patek Philippe or this Rolex, you know, London's the one that offered it to us today. London's the, London's the reason this was here. So go and shoot them an email. So it couldn't be more beneficial for all parties. The the viewer is so happy because he just saw incredible footage and conversation about a watch that he's been dying to see. And he doesn't care who got paid. We have access to this incredible amount of content. So we're happy. And of course, we're being paid. And London gets this uh, um, amount of you know, influx leads from all these people on a digital presence. So it's ad deals like that that really end up working. The unfortunate thing is that's kind of an anomaly. You know, that wasn't something that I could have planned to build the business around. That's too moonshotty for me. So I was thinking about, you know, much more achievable things and, you know, much more, you know, kind of foreseeable uh, opportunities. And uh, I just so happened to step into this again, kind of by accident. Um, but, um, but that, yeah, it's basically how it happened. Yeah. That's, it's one of those things where you could probably try to fit in a number of different ways, but that like one hook, and then you could apply that same hook to many different authorized dealers, right? Because there's, there's watches that like are very hard to get, but you can get them through that authorized dealer and then they can sell them because you talked about, and people, you know, there's a percentage of people who are going to want that after they see it. And you're going to say, Hey, this authorized dealer has it go over there if you want, you know, to hundred percent. And, and, you know, and then you take it to the next level and you don't want to just mention the name, but now you want to humanize the, those people and their story. London jewelers, and I'm not being paid to talk about them on this channel. We're just happen to be talking about them. They probably won't even see this. Uh, I, I won't send it to them probably. <laughs> it's too personal. <laughs> um, but, uh, but the truth is they're like this incredible 92 year old third, uh, fourth generation company. You know, the people that run the company are super, super cool. Um, one of the directors, his name is Zach is like this incredible watch geek like he's so passionate about watches his screensaver is like a an old pocket watch like he and i talk about watches for hours so you know telling that story too is also very important it's not just a matter of saying wow they have the best they are the best they have the best and most expensive products but it's like hey guys like Zach's actually really funny, like, and he's he's the one that's gonna help you out with these watches. So I, what we're doing with them is the same thing that we did for our retail, you know, introducing characters, real people, and you know, they they already exist, I already exist, but introducing the audience to them, and that's the fun part, you know. And as long as it's honest, which it has to be, otherwise, you know, everyone's gonna know. Um, it's an incredibly impactful, you know, tactic. Yeah, and I feel like that's something that. Um you know, this industry, it's, it's older, right? Like there's been around for hundreds of years. Um, it's probably a way of doing things, but now you can kind of bring this new, this new technology, this new way of doing things and really change like some businesses significantly that haven't, um, that haven't leveraged this. And it's all because you spent your time when you weren't being paid, you know, to, you know, in building trust and entertaining and in building, you know, a value, or I call it a 
equity in like the hearts of your, you know, your consumers. You know, we made a th- 800 videos that we weren't paid for, you know, and we, we just lost money on. We just hemorrhaged money on producing 800 videos um, just to gain trust. And at this point, we have no intention of losing that trust. It's just a matter of maintaining it while being able to freaking put food on the table, you know. Uh, so that's, you know, that's that's the point. Yeah. And you can maintain it while being kind of respectful to the, uh, to the viewers basically at that point, right? hundred percent. You're not trying to sell them, you know, some, I don't even know example watch that like wouldn't fit with the brand, right? Yeah. Those guys pay so well. Like the guys that, the guys that you wouldn't talk about otherwise, they, they, you know, they, they do pay well. There's, there was definitely a list of brands that I I blacklisted that I would never talk about that they pay a fortune. You know, you talk about them for one video, they'll give you nine grand. Yep. I mean, how do you not do it? Like, you know, I chose not to because I knew the audience would just murder me and I'd want to I'd want to jump out of a window because the brands are so terrible. Um, but it's true. I mean, you know, not everyone has a retail business like I do. So not everyone has that constant, you know, the, the, the revenue coming in. Um, but that's very difficult if you're doing this in your, you know, in your bedroom as a passion and someone offers you nine grand. You have to look at it big picture and say, I can't sell out because this is disingenuous. This will undermine my entire what I've worked for for the past six months. But people are in financial situations which it's very, very hard to you know to turn down what very well may be you know ten months rent. Yeah, you know, which is what often is the case when you're talking about YouTube content creators. You know, it's not a very high barrier to entry. You can have a casual person, you know, making videos. So how do you? How have you done that? Like, how have been able to kind of turn away from that? Is it just because you've had the retail business, so you can kind of like each one? Yeah, I mean, I, I was never tempted, even for a second, to really you know take money from a brand that I have negative opinions about. Never once. Um, all the brands that we did partnerships with in the last couple of months, when we were doing partnerships with smaller brands, they were great brands. People were really great. The watches were great. Um, they they were affordable. They were usually sub fifteen hundred bucks, and they they demonstrated a lot of great value. That's just not what my audience is used to hearing about. So even though it's it's really terrific stuff, it's just not their thing. It's like showing someone that's interested in in watching The Sopranos, showing them anime. You yeah. know, it could be the most incredible anime in the world. They're just not interested in it. Yeah. And you so you know your audience, and that's the thing. You know your audience. You know what they like. You know what they don't like. And then that enables you to, um, you know, more closely target not just the YouTube but also the retail. So it's building yep. this like whole ecosystem around yep. that audience and what they like. And it's balance. I mean, it's, it's, and, and, you know, all the things I just said that was wrong with incorporating some of these smaller brands, we're not getting rid of it entirely. It just can only represent 10% of our content as opposed to 50. You know, it's people, our audience still does occasionally want to hear about great $700 watch, you know, 100%, you know, but not for 30 minutes a week. They just don't. Got it. So yeah, they, everyone wants to aspire to the Rolex or the, uh, what is it? Yeah. It's just more interesting news. Patek. It's just more interesting news. There's so much more to talk about. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of years of legacy. You're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in research and development. It's fun to talk about the best. You know, it's fun to hear about it, you know, because even if you can never afford it, which is quite likely in the world, it's just, it's just like a movie, you know, it's, it's just like whether it's aspiring or whether it's just, you know, escaping to this incredible art. Um, you know, am I ever going to buy a Picasso? No, but, uh, but hearing his story is really, really cool. Very cool. I like that. Cool. I think this was very helpful. Um, yeah, people definitely, people need to kind of the concept of building the audience, um, either first or with the business or just make it part of it is huge. And I think there's not enough people doing that. A lot of people do the basic thing where they try to build the business. They do some like 
cold launch and every they're always starting from like like scratch and every it's like pushing this flywheel that's not moving yet and they're constantly trying to push and it's this very um i don't know it's a very hard way to get inertia when there's nothing behind when there's no momentum behind it but with what you can do is launch a new product that'll launch something new on the site and you already have this built-in audience you can kind of push at it and it gives you this like immediate uh momentum that most folks don't have and and they'll thank you for it you know, this is, you know, they, they, they love it. They, they're, they're so happy and, and, and they should be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. All right. I think that's super helpful. Um, if people want to find more about you, kind of learn more about what you're working on, what can they do so? Yeah. So if, if you like watches and want to buy a watch, which I'm sure not so many of you do, but some of you watch geeks out there do, uh, head on over to the Theo and Harris watch shop. Got some really great stuff from Rolex and Cartier and all that stuff. But for the, I think the larger majority of you out there, um, check out some content. We've, we've done some crazy stuff. I mean, even, um, even John Mayer is an incredible watch collector. And just a few weeks ago, I shared my thoughts on his whole collection. You would be blown away if you knew one, how much money he spent on watches and two, really how like intelligent and thoughtful he is. I had no idea. So uh, the link to that video would be down below, I imagine, if, if, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes. So thank you very much for coming on. It was great chatting with you. Thanks so much, man.